Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Wednesday, November 1st. Today, an important trial is playing out this week in Denver District Court that could shape the 2024 presidential election. The case centers around whether former President Donald Trump is eligible to run for office again because of his role in the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol. Colorado Sun political reporters Jesse Paul and Sandra Fish break down what the arguments are and what's at stake. Before we begin, a quick message. AARP Colorado is proud to sponsor this podcast with the Colorado Sun. With Colorado being one of the fastest-growing states in the nation among older adults, AARP Colorado strives to ensure all Coloradans can age in place for as long as possible and age with dignity. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. A starry sky blanketed sugar beet farms in Weld County on this evening in 1955. Suddenly, a streak of fire appeared, and pieces of metal, chairs, utensils, suitcases, and bodies rained down as United Airlines mainliner Denver became the victim of the first terrorist attack on an American airplane. The Weld County coroner identified the 44 passengers and crew at a makeshift morgue in Greeley, and teams from the FBI rebuilt the mangled airplane at Stapleton Airfield, from which the craft had departed on its way to Seattle. The investigation focused on passengers who had purchased flight insurance from kiosks at the airport before departure, a common practice at the time. Attention centered on one of the insured passengers, Daisy King, and her son, Jack Graham, a man with a quick temper and a criminal record. King owned a Denver drive-in where Graham worked, and the two had had a difficult relationship since his childhood. Having driven his mother to Stapleton with his wife and children, Graham placed a bomb made of 25 sticks of dynamite in King's suitcase before she checked in. Eleven days after the crash, law enforcement declared Graham the culprit behind the airplane's destruction. He would be tried, convicted quickly, and ultimately executed in 1957. Before we continue, another quick message. Do you or anyone you know have questions about Medicare as open enrollment begins? Join the Colorado Sun virtually on November 2nd as health reporter John Engel speaks with panelists about everything you need to know about Medicare and helping select the right plan. The event is free, virtual, and open to the public. RSVP today and submit your questions for panelists by visiting coloradosun.com events. Next, our feature story. Good morning here, SunUp listeners. I am Sandra Fish, and I'm here with Jesse Paul, who has been listening in on a pretty interesting court trial this week that has some major implications. Jesse, tell us what it's all about. Yeah, so back in September, a nonprofit, a liberal-leaning nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., filed a lawsuit on behalf of a group of Colorado voters, Republicans and unaffiliated voters, questioning whether or not Donald Trump actually should be on the Colorado 2024 Republican primary ballot and calling into question or raising the issue of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, which was passed during the Civil War era. And essentially what it says is that if you violated your oath of office, You can't hold office any longer. It's called the insurrection clause. And so this lawsuit basically alleges that Trump played or engaged in in the riot in January 6, 2021, and therefore he's not eligible to run for president again and shouldn't appear on Colorado's 2024 Republican presidential primary ballot. 
And the lawsuit is against Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, a Democrat, who really interestingly basically is throwing up her hands and saying, I'm not going to fight this. It's up to a court to decide. So the Trump campaign intervened in court, and so did the Colorado Republican Party. So effectively, this lawsuit is between the nonprofit uh, representing those voters and then the Trump campaign and the Colorado Republican Party, which are fighting this. This has an interesting cast of characters. Like I'm interested in some of the plaintiffs, like Norma Anderson, who was both um, the a House leader of the Republicans and the Senate leader for the Republican Party back in the day. I'm old. Um, and and um, Kevin Priola's wife, who's still a Republican, as is Norma. And just it's interesting in that way. And then there are some interesting attorneys on either side, too. Yeah. So on the Republican side or on the Trump campaign, representing the Trump campaign is Scott Kessler, a Republican who's Colorado's former secretary of state. And then on the Democratic side, you've got folks, um, I'm, I'm using Democratic side loosely here, effectively, that's that's who's bringing this lawsuit. You've got Martha Tierney, a high-powered elections lawyer in Colorado, who oftentimes represents the Colorado Democratic Party. And then additionally, Mario, Mario Nicolaias, who's actually a Colorado son, um, columnist, a former Republican who's now an unaffiliated voter, uh, who at one point ran as a Republican for, for a state house seat. So, you know, you've got kind of some interesting dynamics and, and folks playing in here. It's a little bit inside baseball in terms of the 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 players, but it, but it's notable in terms of kind of the broader constellation of, you know, the politics around Donald Trump, uh, you know, the, the politics around the presidential election and, and, you know, kind of what's at stake here, because it's it's not just Colorado that could be affected by a ruling in this case. Well, and let's talk about I mean, I feel like this one week trial is just the beginning. Um, it, you know, I get the feeling that that the people involved anticipate this going all the way to, to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. And and it's on a speedy timeline. Right. I mean, typically when you see a lawsuit like this filed again, it was submitted back in, this, in September it can be years before that thing actually goes to trial. But the judge overseeing this case, a Denver district court judge, basically said, look, I understand that my role in here is just to make a ruling in this and then get it onto uh, basically the next pay scale, right? Which is either- The powers that be. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, like, like reporters, we oftentimes blame our editors for things. This this judge is effectively saying, look, this is, I am just one cog in the wheel. Um, and she's right, because this is going to probably go next to the Colorado Supreme Court and then probably right to the U.S. Supreme Court. And there are similar- challenges being filed by this nonprofit, other nonprofits, other voters across the country that are basically saying, look, you know, Donald Trump is is not qualified to appear on the ballot because of the insurrection clause, the 14th Amendment. And so Colorado is is kind of center stage in this national effort to block the the former president from running for re-election next year. Yeah. And it was interesting. I've sort of been listening to this on and off too. And interesting sort of the how they're setting the groundwork for this and the people they've called as witnesses talk a little bit about how they're setting this case up and how people like Scott Gessler are trying to knock it down. Yeah. So the opening arguments were yesterday and effectively the plaintiff said, look, you know, it's clear that Trump participated in engaged in an insurrection. And then, you know, it's clear that this insurrection clause exists and we're going to lay out evidence showing both. And then Scott Gessler, the attorney for the, the Trump campaign, said, 
you know, yeah, there was the riot at the Capitol, but, you know, the key word here is whether or not Trump engaged in the insurrection. And, and he argued, no, he didn't. Um, and then he's also probably going to pick apart the 14th Amendment and say this is unprecedented and it's never been used before for a presidential race, which is all true. And then he pointed to some previous examples of of people who violated their oath of office or maybe even were, um, you know, seditious toward the United States who ran for president, albeit un- unsuccessfully. So, you know, Trump Trump is a unique figure in this because there's not somebody with with his caliber who's run for president before who has these kind of questions around it. Um, And so, you know, the case will kind of break into two sections. The first one that's playing out right now in court is, you know, the question of whether or not January 6th was an insurrection and whether or not the the former president participated in it. And then the second section of the trial is going to be kind of a legal legal, um, scholarly examination of the 14th Amendment and and what, you know, would would trigger that. Um, inability to run for office again and whether or not, you know, the, the former president ha- has, you know, violated that that clause. One of the interesting things to me as somebody who used to work in New Mexico some is that there is one of the people found guilty of in in the January 6th riot is a count was a county commissioner in New Mexico and he was removed from office by the courts under the 14th Amendment. And, you know, the only recent example you have of that sort of thing. So what's going to happen next in this whole case? What can we expect? Yeah. So on Monday was the first day of testimony. And we heard from two officers who were at the January 6th riot about their experience. We also heard from Congressman Eric Swalwell of California, kind of about what it was like for members of Congress when the riot happened. Again, this is all playing out in Denver District Court, so it's kind of fascinating to see these, um, you know, national figures with national followings there. The Trump campaign's lawyers really tried to undermine the the accounts of these folks and say, "Look, how did you know that the rioters actually came from, you know, the Trump rally? How do you know that they were um, that that preceded the riot? How do you know that they were influenced by what Trump said?" Maybe calling into question Eric Swalwell's politics. You know, he's he's been a very fervent um, anti-Trump politician, and saying, "Look, you know, are you just doing this for political wins?" Um, and then, you know, now today, Tuesday, we're starting to hear some, um, you know, testimony from legal experts about, you know, far-right politics and what drives people politically to to do these kind of things. Like we saw January sixth, there's been a lot of videos and photos and social media posts that have been shared with the judge as well. Um, And so I expect this to kind of go throughout the week. And then the judge is probably going to make a ruling pretty quickly here. You know, keep in keep in mind that the the ballot in Colorado for the 2024 primary has to be certified, I think, like in late December, early January. So, you know, there's not too much time for this to to play out. And and I think you're going to see some pretty fast moving motions filed and arguments. Um, And again, keep in mind what the Supreme Court is, right? You know, this is a conservative majority Supreme Court now that at times has been um, willing to to buck the former president and, and kind of previous legal cases, investigations. But, you know, this is a real threat, I think, to, to the, the former president. While Colorado might not be that important electorally, you know, that the rest of the country is. And so if he's kept off the ballot, you know, in other states because of, of a case that came out of Colorado, it'd be pretty fascinating uh, piece of history that's playing out in downtown Denver this week. So it, it's something that we'll be paying close attention to. Uh, kind of parsing out the arguments and, uh, you know, watching the who's who of folks who are testifying and and representing the president and 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 the state here. It's it's a 
uh, a pretty important case that that's happening that that is wonky, but could have a really big effect on the election next year. I feel like so many people see the election that's an entire more than a year from now as like it's set in stone that it's a, a replay of 2020. And I think that there are just so many things that could happen between now and then we just don't know what it's going to be like. Right. I mean, just think about everything that's changed in the world in the last month with the global conflict and, you know, the coronavirus, things change very quickly in politics. And it's always important to kind of keep that in mind when you're looking at a race that's a year, um, a year out. Yeah. Well, thanks for explaining that to us, Jesse. And I'm fascinated by this because it is on the fast track to the U.S. Supremes. Thanks a lot for talking with us. Thanks for having me. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Governor Jared Polis has vowed to veto any bill that would allow Denver to permit designated sites where people could use illicit drugs under the supervision of workers trained to reverse overdoses. Polis's announcement came Monday, shortly before a legislative panel voted against advancing a draft measure allowing so-called safe-use centers to the full legislature. The governor had previously declined to take a position on the issue. Proponents of safe-use sites can still introduce the bill next year, but Polis could veto it if it were to pass. Overriding a veto requires a supermajority in the House and Senate. A new documentary co-produced by Olympic skiing legend Bodie Miller is taking a close look at Eagle County's eye-opening success at tackling a mental health crisis that peaked with 17 suicides in 2017. The Paradise Paradox recounts how community groups banded together to fight the grim trend, helped along by Vale Health's pledge to provide $60 million over 10 years and by a large donation from the family of a woman who died by suicide. The Paradise Paradox is being screened across the U.S., with showings in Denver and Beaver Creek upcoming. A group backing Proposition HH, the property tax relief plan on the November ballot, has launched a $1 million-plus advertising blitz as Election Day nears. Campaign finance reports filed Monday showed that Property Tax Relief Now, also known as Yes on HH, has spent nearly $700,000 since October 13th on media advertising time. The committee has also spent roughly $250,000 on mailers and about $200,000 on digital advertising since mid-October. The groups opposing Proposition HH had spent $2.4 million through October 25th, compared with the $1.7 million total spent by Property Tax Relief Now. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And The Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow.